Thank you for joining the Home Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at myhomechurch.org. And today I want to encourage you and I want to empower you and I want to charge you to live in light of our title that God has given us on this earth. And that is the light and the salt. And I keep saying that. When we're in Christ, we are the light and the salt of this earth. And our job is to illuminate the dark places. Our job is to be so bright that the things that live in the darkness run like a bug zapper, run to us. That they would be overwhelmed by the love of Jesus. You need to be burning so bright with love that those things are attracted to you. That is your job. You are the salt. What does salt do? It makes things tasty, right? So when someone sees your life, you should look tasty. It should look like something that somebody really wants, that they hunger for. You are the salt. And I want to give you permission and show you that Jesus has given you everything to live a life of supernatural love not fleshly love. And we're going to look at the difference between the two of those things. And I want to tear down every argument that exalts itself over that truth. Because I know a lot of times we could say, yeah, but I'm not there yet. And we're going to get to that because yes, if you're in Christ, you are there. I have good news for you. (laughs) So today I want to move us from a natural love to a supernatural love. Okay? Why does God desire us to focus on love? Because God is love, okay? He even tells us that if we are his believers, that the world should identify us by the way we love one another, right? John 13, 35 says, Jesus' words, they will know you are my followers by the way you... Let's try that one more time. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you... Jesus is talking about the body of Christ. The world will know us by the way we love one another. Okay? So often, we get caught up, and I've heard it over and over again in conversation and talking with people, we get caught up in measuring people's maturity in the Lord by how many sins, failures, faults, shortcomings they have, or their evident lack of sin and shortcomings. We say, oh, this person's more godly. Oh, this person's less godly, right? Come on. Everyone can say, ouch, it's okay. I said, ouch, the whole time I wrote this, right? But rarely do I ever hear people talk about spiritual maturity in reference to how much somebody loves somebody or how little somebody loves somebody. And that is a huge deal. If they will know us by the way that we love one another, that's a huge deal. And we're going to go into why it's even deeper than that. Let's go to Galatians 5, 4 through 6. So if you can turn in your Bible, or we're going to have it on the screen. This is really important, guys. This is going to shape and shift our culture, and it's going to give us the ability to walk out what God has literally told us to do. Galatians 5, 4 through 6. You, who are trying to be justified by the law, have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. 
Now listen to me. It's saying, if you are trying to justify, meaning you're trying to be holier, 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 by the law, you have been alienated from Christ and you have fallen away from grace. So if you're looking at other people and you're saying, well, they did this sin and they did that sin, they must not love Jesus that much, that, no, we cannot measure other people that way. And listen, if you're measuring other people that way, whether you believe it or not, you're measuring yourself that way. And you are not, you are not enjoying your walk with the Lord. Because to enjoy a walk with the Lord, to be free, we must walk in grace. We have to walk in grace. We have to believe that we are set free by the power of the cross. And we have to believe that for one another. We cannot sit here and say, that person's not justified because of the way they're acting, because of the things that they're doing. If they profess that they believe in Christ, you better believe that they're justified. Justifying yourself by this will turn your walk into a struggle with God. Galatians 5, 5. For through the Spirit, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For through the Spirit, we all wait. We all wait by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has value, or in other words, the outward appearance of holiness. And this is the best part. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through what? The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. When you hear the words in the Bible, I think I said this last time I spoke to you guys, only, never, always, you better pay attention because it's really important. It says the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Okay? So all of you guys who have a checklist day to day, I did good, did it, got it, did, yep, I'm holy. Did you express your faith through loving others? I'm challenging you today. I'm challenging you today because this is the whole point of our walk with Jesus. So our measuring stick must be love. But knowing these two things, that they will know us by the way we love one another, right? And that the point of the gospel is faith expressing itself through love. I have a question for you, and I want you to really think about this. Why is it that as Christians, we have such incredibly low tolerance for people within the body of Christ? You see, I found that in many Christian communities, at least that I've experienced, and this is my experience and, you know, talking to other people, I have experienced that Christians fall to the temptation of being judgmental of being critical, of being fault-finding and hurtful to those who actually believe in Jesus and put their faith in the gospel. Most of us, me included, I'm guilty, God corrected me on all of this, would rather give compassion, love, forgiveness to those who are outside of the body of Christ. That's just the truth. We'd rather go on the street 
Talk to somebody who doesn't know a thing about Jesus, and we'll show them more compassion, more love, more forgiveness when we know they're outside of the body of Christ. But what we don't realize, and that I am just tearing the veil today, what we don't realize is this is literally the plan of Satan. Like for the body of Christ, this is his plan. Because what is Satan? He is the accuser. And what are we doing when we're judgmental, when we're critical, when we're fault-finding, when we're hurting each other? What are we doing? We're accusing one another. It doesn't matter if it's true or not, you're still accusing somebody. Whether they did it or not, you are accusing them. Everybody can say, ouch. <laughs> Some of you guys did. What we don't realize is that when we act this way towards believers... We're actually not trusting in the gospel. You could say ouch again. Yeah, ouch. We're not trusting in the gospel because what does the gospel do? If someone has confessed faith in Jesus Christ, right? And man, don't, oh, yay. Don't we claim this for ourselves? If I have confessed faith in Jesus Christ, I am redeemed by the blood of the lamb. I am seen as spotless, and holy in his eyes. When he gazes upon me, I am robed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. How many of you know that? So why is it that we can claim that for ourselves, especially when we're in our faults, especially when we're in our failures, but we have such a hard time claiming that for other believers? You know? Especially if we're involved, forget it. They sin against me. Forget it, right? They, they ain't spotless. They ain't holy. They're just sinners, right? But what is the truth? The truth is that they are robed in righteousness. They are covered by the blood of the lamb. And you better get some God perspective because the world will know us by the way we love one another, meaning the body of Christ. Amen? Amen. Come on. I know it hurts, but it hurts good, right? Come on. Why do we want this truth for ourselves? Let's think about this. Think about these things in reference to the believers that you know and the way that you treat them, right? What do we do when someone falls to temptation? Ask yourself these questions. What do we say when someone lashes out in anger towards us? What do we think about when someone says something wrong to us? When someone breaks a promise, when someone acts differently than we think that they're supposed to, when, uh, what do you do when believers come against you? Come on, this really happens. You guys have, I know people in this room this has happened. When people sin, whether you think it's big or small, how do you treat them? These are really important questions to ask yourself. Really important questions. I mean, now think about your response, the way that you responded in light of what Jesus said and did, that they will know us by the way we love one another. And in light of the fact that as believers, Jesus sees us as spotless and righteous. That's the way he sees us. That's the way he sees me. That's the way he sees you if you're in Christ. And if you're not in Christ, man, you better get in Christ because it's so good. If you're not in Christ and you don't understand what I'm talking about, let me explain it really briefly to you. What happens is we are guilty before a holy God. We are guilty before a holy God. There is absolutely nothing we can do. 
There's nothing we can do to earn our right standing with God. He is a just judge. He has to give justice. He makes the rules. You don't make the rules. Sorry, you're not God. We're just people, right? So even if you don't know the rules, you break them. But the most beautiful thing in the world is that this holy God charged you 100% with your sin, but then he stepped down from that judgment seat and he paid the full price. He paid the full price for you to be able to get into heaven. All he says is, will you accept the payment? Will you accept the payment? I will accept the payment. Because when we accept the payment, he robes us in his righteousness. And God, the just judge, looks upon us and he says, you good, you can come in. I want it for everybody in this room. I want it for everybody that I encounter. I pray that all of you will have a burning desire in your heart to tell the same story that I just told all day, every day, that you understand that he is the way, the truth, and the life. There is one way to heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ. We cannot earn our way into heaven. And I'm thankful that we are at the beginning stages of creating our community because we're creating a community of love a real community of love, but that's going to start with you guys. No matter how much the leadership does it, you guys have to do this. You have to take this, and you have to implement it into your life. Our whole mission here is to make mature disciples of Jesus, not to just have people, you know, uh, come in for Sunday and then leave and live the same way over and over again. No, we want to be mature disciples of Jesus, and you guys are the beginning. You're the foundation, and if we build ourselves on supernatural love, guess what? Those to come behind us, our children, our children's children, they're going to be able to walk that out. They're going to be able to stand firm on the foundation that we lay here. So it's really critical. We're leaving a legacy. We're creating a legacy. What you live each day, day in and day out, in terms of fleshly love or supernatural love, that's laying the foundation here in Mastic Beach. And our flesh naturally wants to earn our holiness, right? And our flesh naturally wants others to earn their holiness, and this is why it's important to constantly keep this in check. It's important to constantly be reminded. That's why Paul wrote it in the letters over and over and over again. Do not be deceived. Don't be deceived. It's grace. It's the grace of Jesus. And some people cringe at that word. And I would say you're cringing because you're justifying yourself by your good deeds. And it happens to all of us. It is our nature. We must rely on the gospel of grace. And that, in turn, will help us and create us into the being that he desires to make us. It will allow us the power and the motivation to obey the things that he's asking of us. Listen, the cross is offensive because we don't earn it. That is the offensiveness. We all have to say, I have no power in myself to make myself holy, to make myself good enough. And that is offensive to us as human beings. It offends our flesh. It offends us. Galatians 5, 11 through 12. Turn with me there. Brothers and sisters, this is Paul. If I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In other words, following 
the laws just to justify yourself as godly. In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. The offense of the cross has been abolished if that's the way we are justifying ourselves. Paul is saying it is offensive. The cross is offensive to say, I have nothing in me, no good in me to be able to earn my way to heaven. That is offensive. And Paul is saying, if I was just saying that, they wouldn't be persecuting me. And then I left this part in because it's actually really funny. It says, as for the agitators or the people who keep saying that, that's what people need to do to be justified, I wish they would just go the whole way and emasculate themselves. You can laugh at that. I laughed. I was in my secret place with Jesus, and I was like, you're so funny. <laughs> that you would let Paul put that in the scripture. <laughs> Come on. The cross is offensive. So how are we supposed to treat people in the body of Christ? Come on, this is legit. Who do fail, who do hurt our feelings, who do sin, who do get up in our face, who do lie to us. How are we supposed to treat them? What are we supposed to do? Love them. Hello. That's what Jesus did. If you're responding in any other way, that's flesh. And we need to move past it. We have to begin to live a life of supernatural love if we want others to come into this kingdom. They will know us by the way we love one another, not with our fleshly love, but with our supernatural love. You see, even the pagans can love somebody who is good to them. But our supernatural love allows us to love anybody, anywhere, anyhow. The Holy Spirit gives us the strength, no matter what, to respond in love. How? Here's our direction. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7, one of the best scriptures, in my opinion. God loves them all, but my opinion, I love this scripture. It's so practical. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7 says this. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not self-seeking. It does not dishonor others. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records, not some records, no records. But they did this really, it was really bad. It was bad. No records. No records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. And this is my favorite part. It always protects. It always trusts. Always hopes and always perseveres. How do you respond to a believer when they fail and they fall? Do you always protect them? Or do you go about hopping person to person telling everybody about their failure? How do you protect them? That is our job. You see, the world walks this way. The world will tell everybody's business to everybody else. But do you protect one another? And if you don't after today, you should. Because the veil is being torn off your eyes. Always protects. Always trusts. Always hopes. So no matter what, no matter what that person does, I am going to hope that the spirit in them is going to continue to see them to the completion, to the end. I'm going to believe that they are robed in righteousness. Always preserves. Again, are you preserving this person in the faith? Or are you just displaying their garbage for everybody to see? They will know us by the way we love one another. Come on, say ouch. 
Yeah, that hurts, but it's so good. Come on, we want to be the light of this world. And you might say, well, what about the way that I feel then, right? What about what they did to me? Where's my justice? Who will teach them? They need to know. I deserve to be heard, right? Come on, we all feel that way. Our flesh just you know, exalts itself above this truth. Well, you know, if they're not acting this way, why do I have to act this way? Well, the answer is because you're in Christ. It doesn't matter what other people are doing. Guess what? It doesn't matter. You can't justify your wrongdoing by somebody else's wrongdoing. Hate to break it to you because when you stand before God, you don't get to say, yeah, but they did that and they did. No, it says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling and your love for him and your understanding of what he's done for you needs to motivate you to be love no matter what. In the face of everything, to crucify yourself, to crucify your own feelings. Oh my goodness, that's like a dirty thing in this world. My feelings crucify my feelings for somebody else, they're not getting away with that. How many times do we feel that? I'm not going to let them get away with that. Somebody's got to bring them correction. Yeah, Jesus. Now, I'm not saying, we're going to get into this. I'm not saying that you can't correct people. We're talking about the motive. What I'm talking about is improper motive right now. Really, really improper motive. And I just want to back this up. What I'm saying to you, Luke 6, 28 through 36 says this, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. That is so radical. That is really radical. But it's Jesus. You don't get to take part and leave this part. It's so radical, but so is his love for us. So is what he did for us. Come on. Bless those who curse you. Yeah, but they're in the body of Christ. They have the Holy Spirit in them. They shouldn't be doing this. You're absolutely right. But guess what? Let's go back to Andrew's sermon about the invisible war. As believers, when we fail, who comes in? Who comes in? Satan condemning us, accusing us, making us feel condemned. I'm not talking about the conviction of the Lord that draws us out because the conviction of the Lord says, I, I still love you. You got this. You have the Holy Spirit in you. So you better believe when another believer is in failure and in sin that they feel the conviction of the Lord and that they feel the condemnation of the enemy. Do not side with the enemy. Do not be an accuser. Do not be an accuser. If you want to bring correction, we bring it very differently. It is radical. It's so good. It's so different than the way the world loves. And we do it because he first radically loved us. And you're going to have to make the decision, the choice, whether your primary focus is to protect yourself or to glorify Jesus, to grow and be more like him. You might say, I'm not there yet, and we, I said that before, or that you can't do that or you don't have what it takes but those are all lies of the enemy. Those are all complete lies. They're not just lies of the enemy. They're our justification of our flesh. 
And we need to tear it down. The price is so high. It's souls. It's our testimony. They'll they'll know us by the way we love one another. We need to tear that down, those excuses. I'm not there yet. I'm not ready. I don't have what it takes. You have what it takes. If you have confessed Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit lives in you. You are empowered to walk in this way. I promise you. I want you to place your hand on your heart. (laughs) Everybody place your hand on your heart and say, I have what it takes. Come on, say it again, no excuses. I have what it takes. One more time. I have what it takes. Yeah, you do. Well, what is supernatural love? Let me show you. Although you will have feelings, desires to defend yourself, desires to make yourself feel above others, desires to make people feel smaller than you, all sorts of ugly desires, we all have them. That's God's design, like it or not. He left us with our flesh. He left us with our flesh. He left us in our redemptive state while the Holy Spirit exists in us with our flesh. And with the flesh come fleshly desires. But he left it that way, his perfect plan, because he wants to exercise the power of the Spirit through you. He wants to show you that even though this flesh wages war against the Spirit, that the Spirit can win. Okay, I need two people. Caesar, Crystal, I just want to give you guys a nice little illustration, okay? So Crystal here is sin. She's flesh. Say hi. Hi. Hi, and, and Caesar is spirit. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> hold my wrist, okay? Hold my wrist. Can I choose this right now? No, I can't choose it. I am a slave to sin nature before Jesus Christ. Do you see this? I'm a slave. I can't choose anything else. I'm a slave to my sin, to my flesh. I'm a slave, but when I'm in Christ, what happens? Bam. I'm freed. But I'm not freed into nothingness. And this little gem right here, it doesn't go away. Mm -hmm. I'm freed into choice. I can choose Mr. Spirit here. (laughs) Or I can choose my flesh. And God designed it that way. And when you're responding to others and their sin, remember this. Remember that we weren't... Go ahead. I, I can't, I can still choose. I'm not a slave to this. I'm not a slave to this because God doesn't force us to choose him. That is not one of the attributes of his love. P- part of the attributes of his love is that we would have free will because true love, is, it gives us free will. It gives us choice. So I have to choose. You guys can sit down. Galatians 5. <clears throat> Galatians 5. 13 through 17, it says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. We were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in? Nice and loud. Serve one another humbly in? That's right. For the entire law, all the checklist is fulfilled by keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Don't like it? Sorry, it's the Bible. The whole law is kept by this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. And come on, it is offensive. 
It's offensive and it's glorious. It's the reason why I chose God. Somebody slaps me, I turn the other cheek. That's impossible. This is written by God because no human being would write anything like that, not in their right mind at least. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the flesh desire what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do whatever you want. So it's saying that you're set free, and it's saying don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. You know what that says? Even if you're free in Christ... You can use your freedom to indulge the flesh. That's not just for people who are not in Christ. That is for people who are in Christ. It's saying you can still walk in this walk in a very fleshly way. Remember Andrew talked about being a Christian atheist, right? And if we settle for loving in the natural, that's basically what we're doing. We're being a Christian atheist. We are not really trusting in the gospel. I love this scripture. Are you getting the picture? Every circumstance that we walk through. Anytime someone comes to us, anytime someone lies to us, anytime someone hurts us, we have the choice to be patient, to be kind, to long suffer, to protect them. Choosing the spirit. Or we can choose the flesh. But the two never cross paths. They're contrary. I have to choose one or the other. Lord, let him hear. In Jesus' name, you can supernaturally choose love. And I give you permission to love each other. And I challenge you to live in this way. I charge you to allow God to be your vindicator and worry more about becoming like him than trying to make others become like him. And I'm not saying don't bring correction to the body of Christ. I am not saying that. It's very important to bring correction to the body of Christ. Oh, it's so important. It's so important that we live a godly life. It's so important. But our motive, it's not justifying ourselves. Our motive is that we've accepted this beautiful love. And our motive for correction should never be for someone to try to justify themselves, which oftentimes it is. It, it is. We want to crucify them for the wrong that they've done, right? What is it that restores people, that brings them to repentance? It's God's kindness. The scripture says God's kindness leads us to repentance. So before you go about saying, well, I love them, I know I love them, so I can correct them, you better check yourself. Most of the time, it's not about that. Most of the time, it's not about that. That's not our motive. So if you are going to bring correction to another believer, you better make sure that your motive is to restore them. You better make sure that your motive is to love them. Are you making sure that if the world was watching your conversation with somebody as you correct them, that they would see love? That if they were gazing upon your conversation, husbands, wives, right? Husbands, wives in Christ, that if they were gazing upon this conversation, that they would say, that's different. They're treating each other differently. They're actually loving each other. 
And this is a side note, and I just want to um, <clears throat> bring a little correction. I see some Christians uh, correcting other Christians on Facebook. And I see them correcting the church on Facebook, and I just have to say this. It, it's, I've done it, and it grieves me so deeply. It turns my stomach. It turns my stomach. There are patterns and directions in Scripture to correct one another. There are ways that we are meant to correct one another. And as the whole world is watching, and if they will know us by the way we love one another, why on earth would we display somebody else's junk on social media? Come on. Be brave. Go to the person. Brave communication. The enemy is trying to destroy our unity. The enemy is trying to destroy our testimony of love. Why do non-believers have to gaze upon our Facebooks and see that we're bashing this person for doing that, or Christians should do this, or this church isn't doing that, and this church isn't doing... Why? If you think you know that, if you think you know that well, go to that person. That is the love of the gospel, that I would be brave and I would say, I know you have the spirit in you. Dina, I know you have the spirit in you, so I know this doesn't feel good to you. So I know that you should correct this. Come on, let's pray together. Let's, let's get you back on track. That's what love does. Love doesn't display people's junk on social media. It protects. It preserves. Come on, say ouch. Yeah, ouch. Ouch. Ouch to me. We are the salt and the light of this earth. We must illuminate the dark. That is what God desires us to do. Supernatural love, not fleshly love. Not a love that loves when things are good, but a love that loves no matter what. Amen. God demands this of us. He demands it of us. And I know that this community right here, and I know each and every one of you this week are going to be challenged by this. But I know that God is faithful to equip you to overcome. It is your choice to continue to sow in the flesh or to reap in the spirit. It's a real decision you're going to have to make. So if the worship team could come up. Now I know some of you might feel like you've got a spanking. <laughs> but it's so good. It is good. It's good, guys. It's so good. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we would walk in this way, that we would be the light, that we would truly be the light in this dark world. And what does that take? Crucifying my own feelings crucifying my own desire to justify and vindicate myself and say, you know what? This person is more important than my feelings. I lay my feelings down. God, you will take care of me. You will. Let me love them. You seem really angry. Can I pray for you? I know that you don't want to hurt me. I hear your words. I know you don't want to hurt me. I know that it's grieving you. There's so many ways around responding in our flesh. And sometimes we have to just quiet our mouths. 
If we can't respond in love in that moment, we have to silence our mouths. Love keeps no records of wrong. God is highlighting this to me right now. Love keeps no records of wrong. Love keeps no records of wrong. Some of you have scrolls of people in the body of Christ. Some of you have, will you believe what they did to me? Read it. You think they believe in Jesus? Look at this thing. Guess what? When Jesus looks on them, my child, pure, holy, robed in righteousness, one judge, Jesus. Do you trust his gospel? Do you actually trust the gospel of Jesus? Do you actually trust it? Do you trust it for yourself? Of course you do. You better start trusting it for one another and speak it over one another. Speak it over each other when we're failing or faltering or you see that somebody's dry. Don't whisper, hey, did you see them? I think they're falling. I think they might be using. I think they might be doing this. I think they might be cheating. I think they might be the... That is what the world does. We go over, we speak life, we take them by the hand, we help them up, because that is the gospel. None of us are perfect. We better start loving each other, understanding that. That even though we aren't, God still sees us as robed in righteousness. I want to give you the opportunity. Um, I'm going to pray corporately, and then after we dismiss, if you guys want to come up, I really feel like thing is huge. I feel like a lot of you guys are walking in unforgiveness towards other believers and you have this record of wrong. You need to confess that record of wrong because the truth is our flesh does feel that way. It's a reality, but if we confess God and we understand that we have no right to keep that record of wrong because God does not keep that record of wrong, we need to deeply trust in this gospel that these people are brand new, that each and every one of you are robed in righteousness if you believe in Christ Jesus. So I believe that God wants to bring freedom to people who are walking in unforgiveness because unforgiveness, it is a sickness in the body of Christ. Thank you for listening to Home Church's podcast. To go deeper into the message, text DEEPER to 66866. If you would like to give to this ministry, you can text the amount to 631-693-4176 or visit us at myhomechurch.org backslash give.